Welcome to the Bujan Backpack Podcast. My name is Angel Trin, and I'm the founder of Pennywise Traveler. So we have a special guest today, Ashley Ecker, and she's the founder of Points and Seek, and she actually manages all the points and miles for her house and her kids. So give a warm welcome to Ashley. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Hi, so how are you doing today? I am great. I have to first say that I've been like, binge listening, bougie in a backpack. And one thing that I think is so great about this space is that there's just like always something new to learn. Um, I just, I just like love it about different creators and different, everyone has their little, you know, their niche that they focus on. And I'm just always learning something new every time I listen to your guys' podcast. So I'm so happy to be here. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's just like everybody's different. Like I'm like a mix of different things. Like you see me flying spirit, you see me flying first in business class, and people get so confused. They're like, "Should I on the other one?" And I'm like, "Well, I'm not gonna pay more if the spirit flight's only eighty-four dollars, and then like it costs exactly. like twelve thousand or twenty thousand to fly from LAX to JFK when it's only eighty-four dollars in spirit." And I also have spirit gold status from Hyatt Globalist. So like, I, I mean, I'm not gonna- um, <laughs> I, It's okay, I don't need to fly first for business on this one. So it, it's okay, like, you know? So like, I mean, I do my fair trade of battles. It just depends on what kind of redemption I'm looking at, you know? Like, like all things, you kind of look at the price, you look at the points, you kind of figure out like, is it okay for me to fly budget? Is it okay for me to fly like, first or business do i want to save those points for another trip or is this a trip i really want to splurge on you know like you always have to like decide which one works best for you totally i i mean i know that miles have a monetary value right but i my favorite place to go in the world with my kids is spain and so but i always look at trips from the lens of like what i like to spend my miles on the most and for me that's getting my family over to europe so when i'm booking a trip to like hawaii or cabo i kind of look at the miles in terms of like ooh, well for that many miles i could be in a bed flying to europe so i'm not i'd rather pay cash for that ticket than use these miles for that no i definitely agree with you because like like an easy one is like Southwest, right? Like you're, mm -hmm. you're, you have a family. Do you guys have Southwest companion pass? We don't, which is crazy. I know, but we actually don't often fly Southwest. So I never really want to take up a slot in my wallet with the Southwest card. No, no, that makes sense. You kind of have to be strategic of like how, um, you book flights and stuff because I was gonna say like for like Southwest Companion Pass right if you live in a big Southwest hub like LAX or like Phoenix or Houston you know how or Dallas you know how like Southwest flies to Hawaii right that's an easy one Southwest also flies to Mexico so that's kind of easy if you have Southwest Companion Pass so like you kind of have to like use your miles differently for different things you know like it's like a buy one get one totally. kind of ticket yeah totally yeah so it kind of depends and also because um where are you based out of we're in San Diego. Okay, so in San Diego, that's like relatively close to Mexico and relatively close to Hawaii. So it's like for the mile mm -hmm. redemption, sometimes it's not that good. You might as well just pay cash. Like I've flown Spirit to Mexico before too because it was cheaper uh -huh. to Cabo. Yeah. 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 We generally, you know, it's a good one for us is the Alaska, the Alaska card. We use that companion pass. Um, it's great for Mexico, Hawaii, Costa Rica out of San Diego. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. Yeah. 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 Alaska's pretty good. I like to use, um, I have Alaska MVP status, but I mostly save like my Alaska and American airline miles mostly for international more like further away, like Asia. Cause I feel like the redemptions are better over there, but they're so good. 
Yeah, but yeah, everyone's different of how they want to redeem. Especially because, um, like Alaska Miles, they have the free stopover too. So it's like it depends on yeah. like how you want to redeem your um your travels and stuff. So have you used totally. Alaska stopover before? We haven't used the stopover, but last mm -hmm. summer we used Alaska um to fly business to Tokyo, which was amazing. Oh, that's pretty nice. Yeah, Did it was great. It was like kind of had been on our radar. Mm -hmm. And I saw online, uh, they had released, JAL had released a ton of award availability. And I just like jumped on it. My husband came home from work and I'm like, surprise, we're going to Tokyo in a couple months. Did you book business class for the entire family? I did. Yeah. Maybe that's the, the four of us flew business. Um, we had to position to San Francisco. Easy. No big deal. Mm -hmm. And then the four of us flew business over to Tokyo. It was so awesome. Oh, that's pretty good. Did you use like, um, did you add on to Alaska to position to, um, to, um, to San Francisco or did you book a separate flight? I booked a separate flight. We, I paid cash for Southwest for that one. Okay. Yeah. Cause it depends. Yeah, just to position. Um, it depends. Cause like, I know that for this one, it happened with American airlines when I was flying to Tokyo, my flight was out of, um, what's it called? Like L LAX to SFO. And then mm -hmm. SFO to um to SFO to um Tokyo for that route because I found the other route where you could just add on that um business class first class seat they were able to do it for me so I didn't have to pay extra to position so they added it on oh that's awesome but that only happens if you can find that's the availability awesome. where you see that spot and you can tell them you you have to call like American or like I guess Alaska Ooh. in this case to add it on so they won't charge you extra for that one so it, 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 that that's another trick that you can use too. It, it that's depends a good one. if you find it or not. Sometimes you can't find it though. for that one. What's, what's... And then for that flight, I end up having to um, cancel that flight because I found direct from LAX to um, Tokyo nonstop. So I end up not having to do that. But that would have that's been an great. easy great. It, it gets trickier. It would have, yeah. yeah. It gets trickier when you have four. That gets really, you have to be pretty creative there. Um, yeah, because awesome. it depends if you find the spot. Because if you can't find it, they can't add it on for you for free. It, it, depend exactly. it depends if you find it or not. But that's still a good yeah. redemption to go from um, Tokyo. Just because Tokyo is so popular, like, when I booked my Tokyo flight, I literally booked it, like, I think, like, a week or two out. Like, it was really competitive, like, in March. And then in um, October, when I booked my Tokyo flight, that was, like, two days before. Because I had another oh, wow. flight. I had another flight that I was going to use originally from the SFO one. And then the LAX opened up for nonstop. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to fly it. <laughs> To SFO to right now direct for for LAX, so I ended up canceling the other one that I positioned where I added it on. So I was like, oh, I don't need this one anymore. I'm doing flight nonstop, yeah. you know. Yeah, totally, totally. I love travel. I love traveling. I, I, it's just I, I didn't leave the country till I was probably 18 or 19 years old, and I was I went down to Mexico with a friend. Um, her uncle was was a uh, visiting professor at a university down in the Yucatan. And we mm -hmm. went and stayed with them for a few weeks. And it was just like, for my first time being out of, I mean, it's just like the food and the smells and the people. And we were like in this old Volkswagen bug driving through the jungle, looking for Mayan ruins. It's, it's, it was amazing. I just had the travel bug. I was like, this is my jam. I love this. Um, and then, you know, a few years down the road, I got married, I had kids and oh man, it's things change quickly. And um, I remember feeling like I can barely get myself to the grocery store. I, I can't imagine ever 
traveling again once I had had kids. It just seemed too hard and too overwhelming. Um, and then I, you know, the, our boys are really close in age. When they were like around three or four, I finally started feeling like, oh, maybe, maybe we could start doing this. Maybe I could figure out a way to do this. But at that point, it had changed so much. My husband and I were both teachers when we met. And so we had all this free time and flexibility. And I, I mean, we were just like, oh, it, you know, nine layovers and it takes like 36 hours to get to Europe. No problem. It's like a cheap ticket. Let's do it. But once you have kids, like you just, you can't travel like that anymore. It just gets too hard. And, um, that's when I discovered, you know, I started like reading a couple articles and thinking like, oh, I wonder, I wonder if I could do this. I opened a few credit cards and, um, I took the family to Cancun for spring break when our boys were little. And it was great. We had a great trip. I came home and it was like all on points. I'd opened a couple of cards. I, I can't even remember what they were now. It was so long ago. But um, we came back and I just remember thinking like, this is a thing. Like this, this is real. I'm all in. I want to like really do this. What, what did you read? What did you listen to? What YouTube channel? Tell us the details of how you started. I'm trying to remember, I was mostly just Googling and finding web pages. I, you know, at the time it was like the point sky was the big one, one mile at a time. I was reading a lot of, um, mommy points was a blogger that I followed a lot back then. Yeah. And then kind of realizing, um, that I needed to be more strategic, right? Like I wanted to be really strategic in my card applications. And that's when I kind of learned about the value in, having a player too, like, ooh, now we can each open a card and we can refer each other to different cards. Um, I also am like always side hustling. So I have a couple of small businesses. Um, so I was able to start accessing business credit cards. And then, yeah, and then being able to use those points to, we would kind of set a goal every year. Like I'd like to get, you know, here for a trip this summer and then just spend that year focusing on whatever points and miles I felt like I needed to be accumulating to make that trip happen for the family. Can you tell us about your side hustles? Just because like a lot of people are curious about side hustles and like, what was your side hustle? Oh man. Um, so I used to be a middle school teacher for taught for eight years. Um, when the boys were born, I left teaching and I opened an Etsy store. So, uh, I have a little Etsy side hustle. We, started renting our house out on Airbnb when we travel. So kind of managing the Airbnb bit. Um, I will, I work probably five or six hours a week for an online charter school. Sometimes I'll substitute teach. I'm kind of just always, always hustling. No, but there's nothing wrong about that. Like people want to hear those kind of stories. That's the thing. Like people want to hear about like how you start your Etsy business. How you um found this online job? How, like for the charter school? Like how did you get involved in those things? Because these are things that like if you work only five or six hours, like you said, for that um online charter school, that's like an hour. Let's say like an hour or so each day, right? And then like that can get you a business credit card, right? Because you have like you know, like the business side hustle. And these are things that people want to learn about because then that makes them eligible to also find something similar to also get business credit cards too. So tell us about that. Uh, yeah, the Etsy store, I, I just really, when the kids were born, I wanted something that gave me flexibility that I could do from home and that I could kind of do on my own schedule. And so I 
first it started with my Etsy shop. I opened an Etsy shop. I was making little um, like handmade party favor bags for kids' birthday parties. I've started trying to transition now to more digital stuff because it's just like a completely passive income. You just like make it, you set it, and then it just kind of does the work for you, which is great. Um, and then just always looking, you know, my, I come from uh, a teaching background. So just kind of always looking at what's online, what opportunities there are online for, um, uh, since COVID, a lot has transitioned to online. There's like a lot of schools now that are completely online. And um, so just always looking to see what's out there, what's open, where you can pick up, you know, a few extra hours of work here and there, get a business card um, and have complete flexibility to be working from home. But those those are the kind of stories that people want to hear. So like for Etsy, like how'd you learn how to manage an Etsy store? Was it just like trial and error? Did you take an Etsy course? Like tell us a bit more about Etsy. Because these are the things that people want to hear about. Like how'd you switch from selling something that like you had to make yourself? So like that's more labor, you know, versus like transitioning to something that's more passive, like maybe like a printable or like a digital product that's like more in the background. Tell us about that transition. It was total trial by error. I mean, I just started the shop, but I got in kind of early. I feel like Etsy's very popular now. I, I started my shop probably 10 years ago. So I got in early and was making all the stuff myself, like you said, and then realizing I had two small kids at home. I can't, like, it was too much. It was so overwhelming. I can't be just like making all these little products all day long. And then that's when I started thinking, there's got to be an easier way to have this be working for me. And so then that's when I started transitioning, looking into digital products and just honestly, it's just a lot of trial and error, seeing what sells, what doesn't sell and um, reading tons of articles and just kind of learning by doing. Do you have any recommendations for any like articles or any courses you took that you found that like really taught you how to use Etsy? I didn't take any courses. I, I just would just Google. It sounds so silly, but I would just sit up at night and just Google like how to start an Etsy business, how to create a digital. And I self-taught um, Photoshop and then, you know, eventually Canva came on the scene, but Adobe Illustrator and just tinkering with them and learning and trying to figure out what sticks and what doesn't stick. Yeah, but that's, we all have to start somewhere. You don't have to buy like a course necessarily. Like, you know, like we all start from somewhere, right? So like, that's where you got your start, you know, like just from Googling and then you're just showing people like, hey, like if I can do it, I had like two small kids. I literally just Googled everything, just put that Etsy shop out in the, out in the wild and people bought stuff, right? And now you're like learning the transition to go from like, um, to go from like a past, to go from like making stuff to like now more of like a, passive stuff where maybe it's like a printable or digital product that people can download easily so like you do have like a like a similar transition and you're trying to show people like hey if i was like a mom who worked a full-time job and i wanted to switch to more of something that's more passive to spend more time with my family this is what i'm doing to make up for my income that i had when i was a teacher right so as a teacher you know you're on the payroll and now you have a payrolls from like um, i mean income from like different places right like you have your etsy you have your charter school you also have like um any other online side hustles you have but that's helping you make up the income that you would have had when you were full-time versus you're more like an on-the-spot like mom like you know you're more interactive in your kids lives because you wanted that freedom that you didn't have before where you had to work let's say like 9 to 3 p.m whenever school hours were for your middle school and then you transition to something else 
Yeah, totally. Always pivoting, kind of always being flexible, seeing what's out there, what's what's available. Um, yeah, and always just kind of moving with the times. How did you find the online jobs from the charter school? Uh, for people uh, that have teaching credentials or like an education background, there's a whole separate job search. It's called EdJoin. Um, and you can find any type of job in education on that site. So I was just always kind of like always cruising it, seeing what's out there. And it popped up one day and I thought, oh, that's interesting. Give that a shot. And I applied and it's been great. I've been doing that for probably a year and a half. But that's pretty cool. So like your full-time side hustles, is it just mostly the Etsy shop and then the um, online um, teacher one for the charter school? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in the summer when we're traveling, um, we started listing the house on Airbnb and that that's a lot of work, <laughs> but that's mostly a summer, a summer thing. Yeah. Would you say that your Etsy shop and your online teacher job, were they able to like almost replace your um, old income or no from that you have from middle school? No, uh, you know, at first the Etsy was because I, I did get in pretty early um and it was really booming for a while and then it's just become kind of saturated it's it's harder it's definitely harder now to get um to be successful on etsy for sure but hey like it worked for a while so that's there's nothing wrong with that you know like and now you're learning how to be more digital right so there's nothing like wrong with like learning how because like, like the market changes all the time right totally like, think back mm -hmm. like how years ago like who whoever knew that like a QR code would be so helpful in a pandemic right when you didn't want to touch right. menus or anything because you're scared that the person before you might have COVID or anything <laughs> yeah but then like look what happens right now you have yeah. a QR code you scan menus restaurants like they don't have to print out menus they just have like a thing at the table where you scan it like they save so much money from printing out the menu right and totally. you can also and find the menu full. online as well mm -hmm. Yeah. So you have you have to think about like whoever thought like you know it was so funny because I remember like ten years ago like QR codes when it first came out people were using them and then people stopped using them and once the pandemic hit people started using them a lot for like a bunch of different totally. things. like restaurants are just one example right like you go to museums mm -hmm. nowadays right you want to learn more about that piece of art you scan the QR code right that wasn't the case yeah. like ten years ago like it's very different how like things come back, oh, things disappear and then they also come back, but they come back in a different form, right? Mm -hmm. So like, you, you yeah. kind of have to like, go with the times and see how things adjust. And you know, like, yeah. you think about like, I remember when I first got into miles and points, like there wasn't really podcasts back then, you just had to read like the points guy, for example, right? There wasn't yes, really the points out guy. there, right? Yeah, there was yeah. just a few blogs and I would just like wake up every morning and kind of rotate through reading the same handful of blogs. Yeah, and you have to remember that like everybody teaches things differently, like everybody has a different unique mm -hmm. spin on things. So it's like you can't depend on one blog or one podcast or one YouTube channel to teach you everything because each each person has a different personality. Each person travels differently. At the end of the day, everybody has the same goal of saving money and the saving money terms might be kind of different for each person. Some people are fine with staying in hostels, Airbnb, hotels. Right. Some people want to fly first. Some people would rather fly the spirit flight. So there's there's nothing wrong wrong yeah. with that like you know like totally i always tell people that because it's easy when you're first getting into travel hacking it's easy to kind of like obsess over 
is this a good redemption or could I be getting a better redemption? Should I wait on this and see if something better comes along? And I always tell people the best redemption is the one that works best for your family. Like we do the bulk of our traveling in the summer when the kids are out of school. And so like we aren't getting great um, redemptions a lot of time because it's like peak travel time, which obviously, yeah, I'd like to score, you know, first class seats to Europe for 50,000 points each way. But like that's just not going to happen if you're going in the summer with four people. So it's like, for us, the best redemption is the one that just gets us where we want to go. And that's what I always tell people, to, to not worry too much about, you know, whether or not you're getting like the max value out of your points. For sure. Um, so do you want to talk about how you unlocked this financial literacy towards your husband and got him involved? Do you want to talk, talk about that transition? He's such a good sport. Yeah, it, it's I, I'm in charge of the money in the house. Like I pay all the bills. I know where all the accounts are. I manage all the credit cards, all the points and all the miles. And like he'll um, I, I truly believe anyone can travel hack. They can. It, it requires a degree of organization for sure. But and that's kind of one of my strong suits is like very type A organized about this. But he'll come home from work and I'll be like, hey, you got a new credit card, here it is. Uh, I want you to use this for restaurants and gas or whatever. And he's like, okay. <laughs> um, but he he's just always game. And then I'll, I'll, book, I'll book our trips and be like, this is where we're going. And he's like, sounds great. Do you have any apps or websites or like, how do you manage all this for him? Like for, for you guys together? This is very old school. I have it just all like written down on a piece of paper. <laughs> I know there's a lot of great apps out there. I kind of just keep track in this little notebook. Like this is what we have. This is when we applied. This is the bonus that we got. Um, and then I'll make a note whether or not we, there was a retention bonus to hold the card or did we decide to close the card or yeah, I keep it. I keep it all on a little piece of paper. <laughs> Well, I'm just going to say there's nothing wrong with that because you think about like Etsy, right? A bunch of people buy printables, right? Mm -hmm. Like this could be a printable, right? That you have, right? Like this could be a printable of how like this is like a sample sheet of how um, I did one month of expenses for managing my house with credit card points or like um, finances is how I did it. This is how I paid for it. Like this could be like a sample little like printable that people can use because people like just because you use apps doesn't mean someone else does, right? Like we have to think about like, the other people in the market, right? Then if you go on Etsy alone, right? You see how many people are buying printables. A lot of people are buying printables. Totally. Mm -hmm. So there is a market yeah. for this. You, you just not, you might not be the target yeah. market, but someone else is the target market. Not, right, not someone is the target market. Yeah, it's true. There's always someone that, that that speaks to, for sure. So have you got your kids also involved in as well? It's uh, There's some, some airlines, for example, will allow them to have a their own frequent flyer account, like British Airways, we've created a household account and they have their own membership and then it, it all goes into the, to the household account. I like can't wait till they're a little bit older and we can start really talking credit cards and strategy. And, and I, I try to keep them in the loop because I just think it's so important for kids to understand how, how money works and how credit cards work because I don't want them to you know have this idea that like oh we just get a couple of credit cards and then we get to fly 
to Tokyo for the summer in a bed on an airplane. And that's just like the way it works because that's not the way it works, you know? So I, I want them to, to learn the ins and outs of credit cards and, and money. And um, I think that's really important for kids. Have you added them as authorized users since they were small? I haven't yet. Um, I was just thinking about this the other day, actually. I was wondering if there's an age limit. I need to I, look into that. That's I think that's, yeah, Bank of America. I, I, yeah, Bank of America has no minimum age requirement for Bank of America. Because you have that for Alaska, right? Alaska card, and that's Bank of America, I'm pretty sure. Bank of America, Kappa One, Chase, and Citi, they actually don't have an age requirement. So if you have any of those credit cards, you can actually add your kids, you know, for like, Ooh, for the... Yeah, um, I, that's... <laughs> That's they, very they exciting. Their <laughs> before they even turn age 18. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. Yeah, so I think that could be a good way to like, help to get them involved and stuff. So by the time they get their first credit card, they're going to have all this different credit history from you, right? Because you're going to be the one like, all that credit history that you paid all the bills on time and everything, that's that's from your credit <laughs> history. Yeah, that's a very good idea. I'm going to look into that. That's That'd be very exciting. So is your husband pretty flexible about wherever you guys want to go and so are your kids? Or do they have specific destinations that they want to go that they tell you like, hey, I want to go here. I'm tired of going to Japan or tired of going to Mexico. <laughs> We're going to go here and I know. Like, have they ever talked to you that way? They're or anything pretty, like that? Yeah, they're pretty flexible. Um, as they're getting older, it's so funny. Like we've taken them so many places and then we'll be talking to them and be like, oh, remember that time that we uh, were in Paris for New Year's Eve? And they're like, no, uh -uh, I don't I don't remember that. And we're like, what? So but as they're getting older, they, they're kind of remembering past trips and remembering like, oh, I really love like my youngest loved Japan. He's super into anime and Pokemon. And he was like all his trips now he wants those to be japan um my husband i think always would prefer to go somewhere that had surf but he's flexible he's game for anything um as they're getting older though it's fun letting them kind of get a hand in the planning like where would you guys like to go or what would you like to see or you know what what would be something new that you've like been learning about in school that you would like to see in person we can do that like my son just started um, sixth grade and they're studying Hammurabi's code. And it's like, remember when we saw that like in person in the Louvre? And he's like, yeah, it's so cool. So that's, that's really neat to be able to, as they get older, take their input where they'd like to go and what they'd like to see. But that's a good good thing to talk about too, because you have all the family travels, like you're tying into the history books, right? So you're like, hey, like this thing that you learned in history class, like this is what we're gonna see. Like that's a good way to like think about that too, because you actually could see it in person and not everybody has the opportunity to see things like that in person. Yeah, totally. I know the next year I think they're studying um ancient Rome and my husband and I were like, Ooh, maybe we could do a trip to Italy. That'd be amazing. <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a good one too. So like just trying to like parallel like how their studies are going and say like, okay, well we can attach this to like the history books of you guys that you guys are learning right now, like you know, to tie this in mm -hmm. together. Where what are some good resources that you have seen that talks about like financial literacy that you have learned from? Um, you know, it's like I when I started quickly realized that it's so entwined with with financial literacy. Like I didn't, I have no background in finance. I've never studied finance, 
but I, I, I realized that to be successful in travel hacking, you have to start with like a really solid foundation. And a big chunk of that is just like understanding money. Like you don't have to get like deep in the trenches with it, but just like a basic understanding of how money works and how your money could be working for you. And um, as I would have conversations with girlfriends, I realized that so many friends had no clue what their credit score was like, or that, or like didn't even have their own credit card would be like authorized, authorized users on their husband's card. Um, so I kind of started thinking, how can I, you know, teach my friends or teach family the importance of financial literacy? I think it's so important. It's such an important skill for women to have, especially because it's just, it's, it's, it's power. Like learning how your money works is like a really powerful tool, especially for women. So I started reading um, a lot of books about finance and feminism and just kind of like learning as much as I could about ways to sort of dismantle the, the way that culture and language is so patriarchal when it comes to money. I wanted to make it more accessible for women to understand like what goes into a good credit score and then how in turn that can help you get good cards and start booking awesome trips. Do you have any books that you recommended that you read? Oh, my favorite one that I just finished was um, by Tori Dunlap and it was called Financial Feminist. I liked that one. It was a good one. Yeah, she has a podcast too from her first 100K. She does. Yes, her first 100K. She has a podcast. Yeah, she's awesome. I, I really enjoy reading her stuff and listening to her. Um, yeah, she's one of the um, the first few people that I followed that were women too, like on Instagram too. Because mm -hmm. she's like, um, she's just a big powerhouse because she has like a big, like, and people just found her like during TikTok and like Instagram and she just blew up. <sighs> totally. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's 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 awesome. Everybody should know their credit score because a good credit score like helps you get a lease on an apartment. It will help you get a lower rate on a mortgage. Um, and it also helps you get good um, like higher sign up bonuses, good travel cards. And I think that like a question that I get a lot from people is like, oh, you have all these open credit cards that must be just like horrible for your credit score. And it's, it's not, I mean, I have like 20 open credit cards and I checked my score this morning and it's like 826. So um, that's a complete misconception that opening all the cards is bad for your credit. I kind of like when I, when I try to explain credit scores to friends, I like explain it as like a big pie that has five slices, you know? And uh, the biggest slice is like 35% of your credit score. And that is just whether or not you pay your bills on time. That's like the number one thing. You have to make sure you're paying on time. And if you don't, if you're late or you have missed payments, it stays on your credit report for so long. It's such a bummer. Like you want to avoid that at all costs. And then the second slice is just whether or not you're using a lot of your available credit. And this is a tricky one sometimes, but it's an easy one to kind of like boost what, like what credit you have available to you on your cards. For example, let's say you have only one card and you have a $5,000 credit limit on it and you use it all month long and you make like $2,500 worth of purchases. It's going to look like you're using 50% of your available credit, which will hurt your credit score. 
right? So, and even if you're paying it off in full every month, which you should be doing, like if they're reporting to the credit agencies um, mid-cycle before you've paid your bill, it's going to appear like you're using like a ton of your credit. So I always tell people to pay their cards like multiple times per month. I try to pay all my cards every week. I'll just cycle through. I'll sit down for like an hour because I have like a million credit cards between me and my husband. And um, I'll just pay off each one at the start of every week to make sure that when that card reports to the credit bureau that we don't, we aren't using a bunch of our available credit. That's another good one. One thing I discovered talking to girlfriends is that it's all, a lot of your credit scores also like your mix of credit. So not just your credit cards, but like your utility bills, your mortgage, your, you know, car payment. And I notice a lot of friends, and this is, I think, typical in a lot of um, marriages where those will all be in the husband's name. And that will hurt your credit if you don't have a mix of credit. So it's important to make sure that your name also is on all of those bills, on like your water, your electric, your gas, um, your house, your insurance, like all of it. Make sure your name's on all of those bills. I, I was going to say like also like you were talking about your weekly routine. So like, like you do, so you do it like every Sunday, for example, like you check all the finances and stuff. So mm -hmm. I think this is yeah. a very good example of how you treat your credit card like a debit card, right? Because you actually want to know what's in there and what's coming out of there, right? Like a lot of times right. people are like, you're like, oh yeah, I managed this. I just charged my credit card so I know how much I'm spending each month. But you're like, yeah, but that's a lump sum. You didn't break it down right. and say like, oh, I spent like 200 on food and 200 on gas or whatever mix it is. You just had a lump sum of like, what, like $1,000 or so. Like you didn't have, you don't know where you're exactly budgeting because you just look at the lump right. sum. Yeah, and if you're going through every week, it's a great way to kind of get a sense of your budget. Like, ooh, we ate out kind of a lot this week. We need to reel that that in next week. Or, ooh, geez, like I, you know, we had, we spent so much money at XYZ this week. Let's kind of have a chill week coming up. It's a great way to keep track of your budget. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a good tip too, just to have like a weekly practice. I mean, you can still put your bills on auto pay still. There's nothing wrong with that. You can, you can still put your bills on auto pay and pay each, each week too. There's no crime in that. That's true. Auto pay is great. Yeah, that is true. I like to, I'm a micromanager. I like to like really have eyes on like everything coming in and coming out. But, um, but yeah, auto pay is a really good idea. Yeah, I, I do that. I do both. So sometimes I might pay it each week or so, but I also have auto pay turned on just in case like I fell out of my routine. Like, you know, you never know when you ever mm -hmm. fall out of routines and stuff just to have as an emergency. So like, you never know. So that's how, that's how I see it. Um, do you have anything else you want to add towards like the um, podcast and stuff? It's very hard to find award space for four people, especially if you want to fly in like a business or first class, and especially when you're limited to a school schedule. So we just have to be like very flexible. Uh, most of our trips to get, you know, overseas is um, we have to position generally, which is either like a drive up to LAX or a flight to San Francisco, or I actually just booked us for Thanksgiving break um, for Spain, but we're flying out of JFK. So like you then have to first get to JFK. Um, a lot of times we break up, like my husband will take 
a kid one day and I'll take the other kid the next day, which people are like, you guys are crazy. But I don't know. It works for us. I would rather do that and be comfortable than than not do that. Um, no, it makes sense. Because if you guys can't sit together. Yeah. Right. And uh, the flight that I just booked for November out of JFK, you have more flexibility crossing the Atlantic for Europe because there's just usually more flights per day. Like out of LAX, maybe there'll be like a flight maybe a flight a day, but usually it's like every other to get to Madrid, for example, direct. So um, our JFK flights, we're on separate flights, but we're only a few hours apart from one another. So that was, um, I was like, oh, well that works. Let's do that. On the way home, two of us are routing through JFK and the other two are going through Dallas. Like you have to be very flexible and willing to maybe get outside your comfort zone a little bit. Like I know a lot of friends are like, oh, I don't think I could do that, like split the family up, but it works for us. And um, it's it's not as hard or scary as it sounds. No, I, well, you, you gotta do what's available, right? So like if you only found two seats on one flight and two seats on the other flight, you gotta have like manage it somehow, right? Like because then it's gonna be harder for you to like book four seats together, right? So it, it, you gotta do what yeah. you can. Totally. Totally. It's so funny. The other day I was asking my husband, I wonder like at what age the kids could be where we fly business and they're like in the back in economy and they overheard and they're like, excuse us. Like, what, what did you just say? <laughs> like, no, 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 no. We're not interested in doing that. I'm like, oh man, you guys have no idea how good you have it. You're like, mommy's trying to be an on, on-time on parent, working the Etsy shop, working this online charter school job. <laughs> she's trying, and she's managing. <laughs> and she's managing the Airbnb business when we're not home. <laughs> you're like, she's working all these full, but you're giving them a, like, a look at life, right? Because you're showing them it, sure. it doesn't have to be traditional, right? Like you, when you, when they get older and have like jobs and stuff, they can be like a full-time side hustler too. Like, um, my roommate in New York, she was actually a full-time side hustler. So she was a nanny and she was a fish market lady. And she, um, what was her third side hustle? She cleaned houses and she made pretty good money. Like she almost made six figures a year from just doing that with having no wow. high school education. She's from Kentucky like just wow. Kentucky grew up very religious family got out of that and she literally went on Facebook and set up an ad to be a cleaning lady and she got replies <laughs> like that's how she got her side hustles to work she's like building know? an like, empire <laughs> yeah yeah but she made pretty good money for not having like a college degree or high school diploma like you know like she made well, yeah. like 60 70 k like around that at least a year depending how much wow. she like side hustled like you know like and that's pretty good because like some people like like when their first job out of college is not even 60 or 70k and this person who doesn't even have a high school diploma or a college degree is doing that so that's like great. Yeah. you know like it, it like success looks different to different people not saying that that's the best route like everybody has different routes that they can take you know yeah, do you want to there. talk about no. how you empower okay. the financial literacy and the credit scores? Uh, yes, yeah. So, um... so Ashley's presentation. So if you want to learn more, be sure to check out the summit. It's happening the first weekend of March and she'll be there to have her presentation so you can learn more about this topic. We hope to see you there.
This is so fun, thank you.